group, shall I say? Mm. Today is, what is today? 19th. Thursday. Thursday. Ooh, <laughs> what a surprise. 19th. 19th of February, 2009. Wow. How, how are we doing? Good. Awesome. <laughs> Finally, we got projector running. So uh, I guess we can start. Um, shall we go around the, the block? Sure. Start. Uh, let's see, what did I do this week? I was fooling around with downloading the latest um, NVIDIA X driver or whatever, and I got a question. Um, I downloaded this big file from NVIDIA, and then for some reason it wants to compile this the new driver for X. It's like version 177 or something. What what is it doing? Why is it? Or what, you know why? What am I compiling? And then there's some mod probe that they want to stick in there too, and I don't doesn't quite work yet. I'm just wondering what's going on. It's a module. Yeah, it's, it's enabling the direct 3D acceleration um, from the card in Linux, which requires a specific module to be inserted into the kernel. That's the module that you're seeing, and it has to compile it because you're downloading the source code, not the pre-compiled version. They've got kind of their own module for the kernel, like plug-in for the kernel. It's the traditional way. You, oh, so go ahead. Yeah, that gives you direct access to the video card. Without that, you don't have direct access from the kernel to the video card, mm -hmm. and you can't access all of those specialty things that make the NVIDIA driver work properly. A module in the kernel is a lot like a driver in Windows for hardware devices. Okay. It's a good way to think of it. Yeah. Except you're not downloading, it's not like a pre-compiled like 32-bit.exe file that you're downloading in Windows. That's just a package file. It's actually you're compiling the source code. And it's kind of, a, it's a different kind of structure, but it has a lot of advantages from a programmer's perspective because then you can look at the code and then you can tweak it and try to do like hardware acceleration on the device. And the real it's the only way to have direct access to the card itself. You can't so run it forever. You get direct access from the, the processor to the video card? Is that the... That from the software to the video card, yeah, you can probably think. But you can only do that in the kernel, right? The kernel level. Yeah, the kernel locks everything down. Because if you've got access to the hardware, you can just you know lock up the machine. So the kernel limits... Are all interface to the hardware needs to go through the kernel. And they need extra things, extra access to their hardware that isn't built into the kernel. So they need okay. to have this module to give that extra access. Okay. And then it's being compiled for what reason? Why can't they just give you a pre because it's pre compiled or because every computer is a little Because the kernel changes. In Windows, they, the exact same thing is going on in Windows, except Windows never changes the kernel. Oh, their kernel so is you can always make a free version of it then? Yes. Okay, all right. And when you download it from like uh, the uh, repositories, that's what you're getting. You're getting a pre-made version. Okay. Well, all right, so the, that's where I got that far and it didn't quite work, so. I thought instead of wasting hours and hours, I'll just come here and ask a simple question and I'll have loose. You might run into something I ran into dealing with mod probe and depth mod. In that I had to always, when I was using MIT or MIT TV, I wanted to use the wireless card, but my wireless USB, I always had to run 
uh, mod probe and get mod, and just every time it never just saved it into the. So to get it set up when you turn it on, yeah, you turn it on to get it, I have to run through all those steps again. When you run it in the strip, when you run the mod probe, it doesn't really set up anything. It just loads the module and it's done. Yeah, and the modules, the modules are supposed to have in them code that says what hardware they work on. And when the kernel goes through, it's supposed to go through and uh, look for modules that match the hardware. So it's supposed to automatically load them. Mm -hmm. But that depends on the configuration of the kernel. But what he's talking about is when you load a module into the kernel, it's on a session basis only. So when yep. you reboot, you're resetting it to a new session. Right. So you have to add it to. Um, it's like you have to add it to. It's like Etsy modules .d or something. If there's a specific directory, and then there there's a, like a config file, and you have to add the name of the module in there, and then it'll automatically load it on boot, and then. Like because it was NDS wrapper. Was it? Is that to beat the? Um, whatever module you're specifically looking for, yeah. whether it's a module for a video what card or Etsy, what? Etsy, like, auto, um, Etsy modules autoload.d or something like that. If you Google it, you'll find the, the link directory. I don't remember. All Were you able to get to the point where you actually had it compiled? Or yeah, it's it compiled. Okay. It ran, and I can't remember. There's an error that comes up in the XOR file. It might be that yeah. there's a conflicting. Uh, Module installed too. A lot of times, well, you're, you were probably in X at the time. Yeah. And there's probably another module that's talking about. Although I closed X, I got that figured out. Okay. I'll close X because they told you that's a big There still might be another module okay. in memory at the time. It might not be used. So you might have to do a uh, RM mod or mod probe dash dash remove and remove a module that has to do with your video card. Um, remove that one first. Anything more exciting happened in your life this week? Hey, we're talking Linux. I'm sorry well, if we're not well, getting over to your beer stuff. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> well you I'm sort of blogging. I'm sorry if you're going to run into the fact that every time he boots up in order to make his NVIDIA driver work, they'll have to be modified. Or if they might think it'll be smart enough to know that they it sounds like, 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 it's like it's an everyday thing. thing they're doing. But anyway, all right, let's move on. What else? What else? No, that was. For computer stuff, that's about the extent of what I did. My guess is there's a Just needs to be unloaded. All right, pass. Thank you. Know, you. I already did mine half an hour. I'll repeat it. I wasn't here. Well, the other part I was talking about, um, what was I talking about? XFCE Ubuntu running on a Pentium 3 866, and I was ripping DVDs. Oh, you were open sourcing your stuff. I was open sourcing, well, yeah. Backing them up. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, I was trying to get them so I could play my popcorn over. So, and I noticed that it looked better if instead of playing through my DVD player, that it looked better if I, you know, ripped it and re-encoded it. And I was saying it took like forty hours to do one. Mm -hmm. you know, depending on the length of the movie, depending. But one was the longest one, was forty hours. Well, yeah, it might be better if you rip it out. Should work. You know, you might have better servers there. <laughs> <laughs> so then, you think it looked better because it was digital or? I don't the know, just, well, because the DVD player does, does 4D-I, right? Okay. And yep. so does and the DVD, but it which, seemed like it almost... How, did you, how do you have your uh, DVD um, well, connected? Just to S video. It's an S-video cable, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just a regular $30 DVD player. Right. So, it just seemed like it looked better. And then you're playing it through the popcorn hour. Uh, how is that connected? Oh, you see mine. Yeah, okay. 
Well, I don't think that has anything. Well, that actually, that does make a difference. Like on my projector, I've got a DVI cable and a VGA cable. And the VGA cable, you can actually see the difference. It's lower quality because it's an analog signal going from the computer to the to the projector. See, I always thought it was like 40i, 40i didn't matter. Uh, a a digital digital 480i will look better than analog 480i because, because there's no yep there's no there's no degradation at all. Whereas an analog you'll get some. Do you have any of those DVD players that up convert that I guess they say triple line them or whatever? And it almost seemed like that was that you know the handbrake was almost doing that when it was putting it. It could be doing that too. So it doesn't look. Right, and that'll look crisper too because yeah. then you can get that under digital. I don't think that's correct because then you don't have a need to buy Blu-ray. <laughs> and then oh, you're have to spend your thirty-five dollars on DVD. I don't think that's correct. Well, I have the Pirate Bay, so I don't need to buy. Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole concept of Blu-ray is just a little bit of a farce. I mean, if you if you get DVD players that can upconvert to the full resolution of like 1080p, then really. You know, okay, so maybe a little bit of color depth might be the difference or whatever, but really, is the little bit of color depth difference unless you have a really extra three hundred dollars? Unless you have a big screen and you sit close to it, you're not going to notice the difference. Well, it, yeah. it is the, the same uh, the same argument. What was Wii and uh, PS3? You know, everybody was saying, oh, nobody will buy uh, Wii because it's such a low resolution. It's going to look ugly. And, uh, and and PS3, everybody's going to buy because it's gorgeous. And it came down to a content. And uh, if you have a content, if you don't have a content and it looks beautiful, guess what? You don't have a content. If you have a content and it looks ugly, well, people want to have a content. That's all. Yeah. And price. The PS3 came out was like twice too much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. And the XFCE, if anybody has a chance to use Ubuntu, it's just awesome. I'm all the hardware. It's just. Yep. It's just so fast. Which is a little bit uh, problem to double around, you know, XFC. It's just a little bit different, but it's another problem of XFC. It's a problem of getting used to stuff. Cool. How are you? Nothing too exciting. Uh, you you didn't compile X, Xorg uh, driver? <laughs> no, no. I, uh, sorry about that. I basically Windows from my video cards. Set up some Linux uh, database servers. This one's over 50 or 60 gigs of RAM total between them. Two or three of them. Cool. Great. How about you? What did you want to say? Um, I guess I've been working on uh, something for work. It's actually uh, not really uh, Linux kosher. I have it running in OS 10 right now on a virtual machine. So yeah, tracking, tracking, that's right. Tracking software and GPS info that we're trying to sell to uh, sheriff's departments, basically. Okay. Yeah. That's a GPS receiver right there? Yeah, it's a USB GPS or a GPS antenna. And then it comes with uh, tracking software that will track all of your other, um, your other antennas. Does it do like a log at this time at this location? You have little log locations. You can get discrete antennas that magnetically mount to people's cars, basically like a low jack. So it's, it's to keep an eye on all the cars in the fleet or something? All the cars in the fleet, or it seems like you could um, monitor, like if you had a warrant, you could low jack somebody's car and follow them, basically. 
or but this is what you can do actually if you are not working for sheriff's department you can actually use it and twitter where you are actually this could twitter for you yeah. you could keep track of your ex-wife oh of yourself <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> your rebellious teenage kids yeah. how does that communicate back though um there's a location for application that holds your location to a central server but you still need to be connected somewhere yeah so there's a little it's thing that you're cellular a cellular um data Mm. Okay. So you use cellular phone towers to communicate back? Well, you can use cellular, you can use two-way radio. Um, satellite is a big enough vehicle. So how big is this thing you put on the car? This big. Oh, okay. Well, it has to house the battery. Yeah. And, uh, a cellular. Where do you put the thing? On the roof or what? Um, it, this you can mount basically anywhere on the side of the car. I think it works inside the car. Yeah, probably the GPS. Yeah. Well, that's that's actually the, the GPS. But yeah, but what what about the rest of the thing that transmits out to the cell? That's towers? usually mounted in the trunk. Yeah. It has an antenna and squad cars. Oh, okay. So this isn't just something you could magnetically stick under well, the seat. There is one. Well, there, there is. It just sticks under the car. There's one underneath the car right now, so he can't talk about it. He'll demo it really well. So, so yeah, I also saw the fast pickup. Solar power. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Anything else? Any other fun? Not so much. We're going to overtime. Drinking some fun beers? Some uh, extra beer oil. Extra beer Cool. Well, I didn't do too much. Uh, but I. Uh, I managed to, it's kind of a sad story, but uh, um, my wife was actually buying, uh, I don't know, at, at her work they actually put a collection together and they had enough money to buy somebody a ultra portable laptop. And uh, so uh, I, I steer her to a Dell website. And as we see, this one is, a, this one is main page of Dell. And when we go to ultra portables, uh, can you guys read what kind of operating systems are there on the same page? Genuine Windows XP. Yeah, on the same page, side by side. And if you look customized with Ubuntu up there, the nice yeah. big. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Two bottom options. It's so 249, 299. That's not bad. For the price so the well, there's the price. 250 is compared to 300. Yep. Mm. And actually, I, I, I managed to to persuade her to buy Ubuntu uh, just for the purpose that notebooks or the netbooks are not really, you know, those are just communication devices, most likely. So uh, I said, does my computer do anything what, what you do on the other operating system? She said, yeah. So I said, well, you, you still have a, uh, the benefit of not, not having a viruses. And uh, I guess there it is. Well, we got the okay. We got the one in the third column that says customize with XP. What does that mean? Customize the laptop details with Windows XP. like that or RAM or stuff like that. Just you are looking at the wrong column. That's all what I can tell you. Okay, <laughs> all right. You don't care about anything except Windows, which is awesome. As well as the, that, there is a mini twelve. So that one is mini nine nine inch. Uh, screen and this one is 12 inch and this one is is the same thing actually Ubuntu 
and windows side by side. So laptops nice. started out small, grew to the size of a desktop, and now they're shrinking right now. Did the other ones? <laughs> I see they have the Actually, they started. Do you know if they drop any price? Do you consume to at all? I have no idea. So uh, this one is. Uh, they took an upturn there for four seventy nine. So if you go this way. I just, uh, you know, it was just nice that you actually don't, people don't have to hunt and pack wherever it is, and uh, so you actually can go there on the same page like anybody else is buying. Uh, you can actually have it side by side. It is, it is not on uh, XPS yet. One, one just tidbit, um, if you ever do buy a laptop from Dell, like I got this one from Dell, and this was before they were offering Ubuntu, or maybe it was, but they didn't have it on this one. Um, if you actually call up or talk to them, you can get it without Windows. It'll come with like a DOS CD or something, and you save bought and you save like $100. So, wow. your step Linux on it. So just avoid the, the operating system. Yeah, they don't give you a Windows license with it. Um, the Windows tax. Free DOS. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they give you free DOS. Uh, but you save, you know, almost $100. Is there bigger savings when you go for Vista machine? You know, like non-Vista? Oh, not, uh, not buying Vista, that is? Right, I, I heard it was more expensive actually to not get Vista. Not, it was more expensive to not get Vista. That's why I read something to mm. say for a while. That might I don't know if they can get because of the Because of the whole bundled software. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I've seen that where it says that you can put the XP on there for hundred bucks. It depends on if you account for pain and suffering in the equation. That's true. Yeah. Pain and suffering all aside, you know, that's a good five six hours of unconfiguring things. Because I know the Microsoft uh, agreement with uh, um, vendors like that is that if the uh, customer does not want the Microsoft license, they must give them a rebate or a refund. I think they were forced to do that. But uh, along with that, they also say that they're not able to um, divulge how much their window licenses actually cost them. So in most cases, it's not costing Dell as much for the Windows license as you're getting the refund for. So they're actually biting on some of it. Yeah. So, so I, I just... Mileage may, may vary. I just thought it was, uh, you know, very... Nice move, very positive move, and uh, yeah, uh, probably mm -hmm. is that the first time ever that something I mean on that scale the first the, time ever happened. The first time ever I saw it the side by side. Yes, yes. Cool. So it is. <laughs> it is great. I think. Yeah. And uh, I did a newsletter. There, there was some actually. I there was some interesting article in newsletter, but we go to the newsletter to talk about. But. Uh, some interesting stuff in here. Yeah, and then yes, I brewed a beer. Yes, on Saturday. <laughs> Sorry to say that, Linux went on the back burner, and I brewed a beer. It was Bohemian Pilsner. We shall see how Bohemian we are going to be. I knew it. You won. Yes, I knew it. Absolutely. Well, the second week, you know, I I had a urge. Cool, and that's all we have. Hi. Half an hour or so. Yeah, Boxy working. Oh, sweet, yeah. With streaming Netflix. So, this is the movie next. It's Nicolas Cage. You have a Netflix account? Yeah, I, I signed up for one just to say. So, you're actually movies. right now renting a Netflix movie? Right. So, with Boxy? Right, with Boxy. <laughs> so, is this on OS 10 Boxy or Linux yes, Boxy? Yes, this is OS 10. I 
haven't downloaded Boxy for Linux yet. What's Boxy? Just like a video front for like a yeah, it's, center front end or something? Yeah, it's like a DVR functionality, except for it's way, way more versatile because you can do video from so media like player. Okay. Yeah. There's like by default with the social network. You can see what your friends are watching and recommend you. So you can like this is all the streaming video sources. Yeah, there's BBC, CBS, CNN, Comedy Central, Hulu, Netflix, MySpace, MyFeed, Revision Three. If you're like a Dig Nation fan, I love this. This the Dig Grill is the best. Does this work with the Linux? Juiced? Juiced? I don't know. I haven't tried that. So that's all from Boxy. Yeah. The Boxy provides the interface, all the sources that you right. saw. Is this all that stuff is open, right? This is just bringing it all yeah, together. This in is like a fancy yeah. interface to stream content online. It's like a competition, or not a competition, but better than that. Eventually, so what I'd like to do is uh, I want to yeah, get like a, a real killer. I could find like a real cheap like Mac Mini or something like that. The Mac Mini is a like eight inches by eight inches by three inches. It's a tiny little form factor machine. Use like Boxy to hook it up. It's got a DVI connection on it. And then hook that up to like a big screen TV. That's the long-term goal. Use so it just be like a mini monitor, right? Boxy also plays XVID, DivX, you know, H.264, just about any form of codec that you can throw at it, as well as all of your uh, music and everything, Pop artists and albums like from uh, from your iTunes accounts. So like, you know, Pop like, have a screen on it, or is it just a box? Is it free or Boxy yeah, yeah, is free? Yes, but it is a. You have to sign up. And like when I signed up, it took probably three or four weeks for me actually to get the email for the login, because what they said is it's been enormously popular and they want to just scale their growth. You know, I think that they. The number of people they I think that they opened it already. That uh, it used to be that you had to wait a like waiting period. I signed up a while ago and it was instant. So, yeah. Was it from a week? Okay. Couple weeks back. Yeah. Actually, after you showed the first time, it was okay. cool. It's boxy.tv. B o x e. So that remote is part of your computer. Yeah. Came with the computer. Yeah. Well, you know, you were saying about this TV. This would be like a front end of this TV. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's, a ripping or it's, it's not. Like a, a, it's a it's a another interface from. Essentially, the TV. instead of running your own server that does all the TV, this just goes onto the internet and gets. Yeah, everything. that's the other difference. Mid TV is a source of cable TV you, or satellite. This I think that it would go also if you were to have your own server, it would actually cache whatever is on your. Yeah, that's the other thing. I have a one terabyte RAID five server at home that has a bunch of. Perfectly legal, backed-up copies of DVDs that I open source. Yes, open source. Yes, and then uh, you know what you can do in the settings of Boxy is you can set it up to add certain other media sources. So then, like if it's a network source, you can add it as like a Samba share or an NFS share or something like that. And then you know you can watch your library of movies on the interface. So you've got your front end, which is the box that just plays it from whatever source, and then you've got the, uh, you know, the back end, which is the storage. What are the requirements on that? Could I run a pinion three eight sixty six? Looking at those graphics, I'm going to say no. Hey, Adam, I have a bad news for you. It's written in Python. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like Python? Really? Really? It's not that he doesn't like Python. He doesn't like how some programs are written. Because Python, Python is the Python is It's the BB of the new millennium. It doesn't. So it, it allows people who shouldn't program to write programs. It doesn't force you to actually confirm the certain standards. I think some of my favorite software is written in Python. It's some of my least favorite software. It's like one of the best languages, in my opinion, there are right now. But it's great, but at the other time, it allows 
It could be abused. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, there's yeah. so many programs that just they either just kind of go away and throw error. Well, that's why you have the all the same feature and restore right after that. Isn't that built even into even mono even mono yes, drives is. me nuts to some degree? You know, when you have to go to the command line to start a program to figure out what went wrong and somebody didn't code it right and actually actually that was a Fedora packaging issue with Banshee that had forced me Hey, to that. at least you can go to the command line. At least Unlike Windows, you type in a <coughs> command there and it crashes. Too you know bad. What? You know what? I have a news for you. The, there is a um, model Devo 2.0 beta. Does it have a debugger? I don't know. I, I was the beta doesn't. The, the release, the full release will. That's the thing. Their beta doesn't have a working debugger. But but 1.0 didn't have working debugger, but did it? Yes, it did. I think so. Everything has a working debugger except for 2.0 beta. That's the only version that doesn't. Of course, it's not supposed to be running beta. beta. Yeah, it's supposed to be running beta like that. Question course. Did Hulu and Netflix support come native to the install? Or did you have to go out and install more plugins? The, um, the link to the website was there, but you have to log in. There. Oh, yeah. So, but Do you need to have a sound on Hulu? You don't have to, don't have but it's for like, rated R content, you have to log in. Aha! Which is free. We see so. you. <laughs> so if you're with so an you avid porn guy, guy, you know, you gotta... Or if, if you want to watch Family Guy. <laughs> yeah. Family's practically, Family Guy is practically porn. That's a terrible show. That remote <laughs> you need to leave. Wait, is that that remote commercial are talking about it? Uh, yes, it did. That's actually $1,000 worth of right? <laughs> yeah. No, it was 20 bucks. Just couldn't speak. Mm -hmm. And here's the, here's the cool thing. It works on every Apple, just straight up. So you can yeah, you have to it, it's just played in yeah, his will go to front end, uh, to uh, not front end. What's the app? Um, What's it called? I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, front, front, front row. Front row. Yeah, front row. There's a there's an Apple interface that has same a similar DVR functionality, except it just looks at your iPhoto um, photos and your you iMusic know, library. Reminds, your that reminds me of Elijah. The same. UI like oh, this is front row. <coughs> this oh, is, uh, like that looks like mid front end. Yeah, it's free. That is mid front end. It looks like they just that's like changed the theme, and that's it. There's a theme that looks identical. thing too, which would be nice to stream some kind of 360. I like the Apple solution pretty well. Apple TV is the TV version, and which plays out to 720p, and you can rent um, 720p movies directly on the device, which is kind of nice. Oh, so Apple TV does 720p now? Yeah, I know it's in. Oh, I thought it did 480 when it first came out. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Mm -hmm. How is the new data doing? Pretty, pretty good. I don't know. Our baby's uh, a little over two weeks old now, so... Another remote control in the house? You just need to trade it? What kind of expensive remote control should I say? Yeah, yeah, this is number three, so we have uh, two diaper remote controls right now. Yeah. <laughs> throw that away, throw that away, throw that Yes. No, we're all doing pretty well. Mom's not getting a whole lot of sleep, but I managed to sneak an hour here or there, so when she's not watching. We see dedication. <laughs> you, are going to have a, you are going to have a case of beer for me then. All right, so. Uh, other than that, I've been... Uh, 
watching the beta release of uh, the Eureka backup here, I have designs to go in and actually write a, a CIFS or Samba share plugin for the program because I'm getting sick of hacking my own scripts together to mount shares to do backups to. And is it, is I'm, I'm addicted to the program. I love it. Um, Eureka. It's Eureka backup. It's a, it's a backup utility written in Java that you can configure incremental and differential backups and recoveries. And it's I think it's really slick. You, you can get some pretty complicated setups. It doesn't going. have auto save feature. Sorry, it's Java. <laughs> it doesn't crash. Uh, it tells you it crashed. You know, from a Windows machine, you can just point to a share yeah, of a it's network. Java. You just throw a oh, try catch on like a backup client. server. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, okay. it's a client, but you. Or, I mean, yeah. But it's got built-in FTP support and then local right now, and that's it. So, it's, yeah. I played around with setting an FTP server up. And it, Is that like a safe support or like anything? It, no. That's another thing. Either I need to write a... I was reading around a little bit, and the guy's got an API written. Sure. You can essentially write a plugin, create an XML file, and it should show up in the interface as use my new file system plugin I wrote here. So I'm going to mess around with that in a couple of weeks here. But he's releasing version seven, which is some kind of huge memory management improvement. Yeah. So. Yeah, tell him about JCraft. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was going through, uh, some of the codes in like Italian or something. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it was, but it was. So send him a pizza. I'll have to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've been messing with that, and uh, I guess the other thing was last yesterday or the day before, I found going through my emails that I hadn't been watching here. Fluendo had sent me a notice. I bought their codec pack almost a year ago. And uh, they now have pre-packaged uh, codecs you can get from them. Instead of, uh, it used to be you downloaded the, uh, the C compile, the, or the C plugins, you actually had to move them to the folder. Fluendo shop. Yep. You can get uh, the free MP3 ones there as a plugin too. But they've got them pre-compiled, pre-packaged for Ubuntu, Debian, Fedora, Suzy, Riva, <coughs> and even uh, Solaris. They did DVD. Are they like more efficient or something? Or uh, it's basically, GStreamer codecs is what they are. Uh, it's not that they're more efficient. It's just that they're. Legal. Never heard. Oh, <laughs> I don't okay. know. I mean, yeah. it's. So you bought 32 bit. Can you actually? There say is 64 bit. I can download the so 64 bit or the 32 without having to buy new ones. Yeah, I can. So download it before your thing expires. <laughs> if you go to their homepage, there, the end user products, they're announcing there's a DVD player as well here. Yeah. It, they don't have it done yet, but they're saying it'll be available to OEM as well as just consumer level, which is probably a first as far as I'm aware of. So I can I can uh, I can delete my lib DVD CSS. Uh, yeah. Actually, it's some kind of funny program. It's RPM file. I don't play yeah. It. So yeah. Right now, if you want you know quote unquote legal DVD playback, the only way to get it is if you buy Dell. OS from Dell yes. and maybe one or two. I know Mandriva, you can get it with. And I own so many copies of Power DVD. Yeah, <laughs> all you have to do is say, you know, I got the software here. Go away. But I, you know, it's it is kind of a nice thing to see. It. If it's easy to get, easy to integrate, you know, my guess is that more uh, either Linux shops or distributions will start integrating it. Yeah, that'd be nice. They just paid a bunch of money, and uh, yeah. you know, we we can see just how far we went. You know, when when we started to to meet, you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago, you know, what we were talking about. 
We're talking about, or oh, maybe somebody will be selling hardware with a, with a Linux on. Remember that stuff. discussion? You know, and, and right now we are saying, oh, well, it would be nice if somebody would, would get me this, this application. You know, so. I was, uh, I was pretty happy to see, when I'm going through their site here to see these things on here. Uh, so I have a codec support on my Fedora VM at home now, so cool. I can play my MP3 files, don't have to worry about it. But, uh, and now I can put up a Solaris machine and listen to my MP3s on it too. So. See, so, so <laughs> Solaris is actually kind of cool, especially for uh, the database servers, a lot of people have been talking to them using it. Yeah, it's, uh, once, once it starts up, ZFS takes a little bit to get that's, going, but it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's the big sound. If it's a server, though, you're not rebooting yeah, it. Yeah, ZFS is, well, no, but and it's super, still, like, snapshot support, snapshot yep. support, and things like that. They've actually got some nice tools in, was it 2008.11 for managing some of the ZSF stuff? I haven't really used it too much, but, but they, they actually built some GUI interfaces to do some of those, uh, ZFS things instead of a so that's really what the new file system ButterF Butter ButterFS is basing itself off of is ZFS. Yeah. So cool. If someone would just open source their stuff, they'd probably do a lot better. But Very nice. Open source Java. What more do you want? They like to shoot Java's them. fine. They like to shoot themselves the foot over and over again before they finally give up and say, "All right, Alex." So. All right, there's no more <laughs> space left in my foot. I guess everybody's right. circumvented us, anyways. Here you go. Now it's open source. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. When you were going through this, I saw almost like they see it as giving up. It's like, all right, it's fine. Yeah. Well, that's kind of with the Open JDK. You know. They, yeah. They had their. Certain, they I mean, were, you could get it for free and use it, but they had the restrictions on it. And, yeah, eventually yeah. people just started to work around it and then they were like, oh, to the point where you can have it. So. Yeah, they were to the point where they had a working completely free version. And Sun went, Oh, that's no good. Because the free version you could actually compile the native code too. You didn't yeah. actually need the uh, JVM at all. It was compiled in with the program. You could always get the job source code though, right? There's like parts of it yeah. you can't. Yeah. Uh, I, always could. I don't know if you can get, get the source code. I don't think it was open source. There's right, certain open source, oh, okay. but you could always get it. There are still a few because there's certain things that if you go download the source, they're, they're, what they're doing is they're replacing those pieces with the pieces from the uh, open um, JDK open versions. There's some like file backups that are called the SSH transfer. See, actually, uh, Ice-T thing or something? Is that part of it? Yeah, yeah, Holy. yeah. That's the free version. Oh, it's the solid state drive. This is nine, but uh, but if if I picked uh, the XP and I say customize it with uh, Ubuntu, it actually kept the instant saving was about twenty five dollars, and I was able to to up my my memory, uh, my my hard drive. So for so four hundred bucks, you can get a laptop with a solid state. Thirty-two gig for yeah, sixty-four gig solid state for another fifty bucks. Yeah, that's that's wow. That's uh, that's actually pretty impressive. Usually, you don't see a drive. An eight gig solid state drive would cost you four hundred dollars. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. not anymore, <laughs> but you know. Well, those first EEPCs, uh, they came with a four gig, and that eight gig, eight gig was like like big boost. Yeah. <laughs> Man, triple E's got twenty total, a sixteen and a. Yeah, four. that was that was the the that was the. Yep. Apple's markups for solid state drives are horrible. They're super, super expensive. That's, that's Apple for you. Yeah. What comes the wheel on them? 
<laughs> Let's see. I want bit number three. Oh, we okay, plug it in. Yep. Because you need to have a hook of dexterity. You need to have tactile. Oh, so and onto Python here before I think uh, conduit. It's awesome. written in Python, I believe. Right? See, well, you love yeah. conduit. I like the idea of conduit. I just can't get it to work. And it oh, doesn't just, actually throw any error messages or anything. It just kind of sits there and looks well, at it. Well, try catch. It's a synchronization program. And it's actually pretty slick because it's. Uh, it has different endpoints and source points, and you just like either folders. They've got built-in plugins for like your. F Spot or Picasso pictures or your uh, Tomboy you, notes. YouTube well. logins. They've got if you've got a palm. Basically, our sync with a fancy interface. Okay. So you drag your Tomboy notes into the you know synchronization area, and then you drag in like, a network like, connection, and it just draws a line between them. Facebook so it visually stuff. represents. All so it's like just all connections between all these different programs and yeah. devices. The problem I'm having with it is on the Ubuntu side, it seems to work on Fedora. I cannot get it to recognize a network shared synchronization. So essentially what you do is I'm trying to synchronize my photos. So I drag my photos into the to the work area, then drag the network connection into it, and it all puts that synchronization as a um, as a Vahi, what do they call that? Uh, the Avahi, the Avahi, the zero config browser, it uses that to broadcast it over the network. The Ubuntu will see it, but another Fedora machine won't pick it up. So I don't know if there's something. Do you have the service enabled? The zero conf service. I didn't look at the service. I you might so. want to. You might want to take a look and see if that's enabled, because otherwise that uh, zero conf might not even work. Okay, because I know I have the zero conf packages installed. But I, didn't but check I don't the know that the service is started up by default. That might be, because it's broadcasting it, it just can't pick it up. So that might be something. I'll look at that later. But uh, So on Ubuntu, I see it, but when I connect to it, try to synchronize it, it just kind of sits there. It doesn't do anything. So I'm trying to figure out why it's not doing anything. So. And it's still technically you know, beta, but it's been around for a couple of years. So yeah, I think at least. Beta. Yeah, I would, I would. <laughs> Python is a beta. You guys are too harsh. Alright, they need to go back to Perl. To Perl. They Why do you need Python when you've got Perl? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you need Python. It, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> That's the whole reason. You don't like Python, but you like Perl. But I love Do you Perl. know why? Because nobody can read it. Nobody can read it. I can't even read it. Oh, Perl. You, okay, so which you don't one? get complete. Uh, which one you can't read? Perl. Oh, okay, yeah. You don't get complete beginners writing Perl programs usually. Okay. I was going to say, that's what I started on. It was Perl. Finish now. Yeah. That's what I broke off to. I had a couple programs a year or two ago I wrote in Perl, and if I opened them now, they're, I wouldn't understand. They're all regular expressions. Hopefully you commented it out. Equals tilde slash. What does this do? I don't know, but it makes a 12 gig file. It's full of sounds, all kinds of stuff. So. Sounds like a planet. I think it parses the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and tries to back it up, too. Every duck. You can do it with pearls. Oh, Anyways, yeah, yeah, I, I actually got my projector control to work through the serial interface. So I've got a serial cable running from my uh, Mythbox to the projector, and through software I'm able to fully control the projector. So what I did was I went to the uh, Lurk configurations, the Linux infrared remote uh, something, I don't know what C stands for, 
and set it up so that the power button on the Mythbox remote will actually turn on the projector. And then I set up all my other buttons and then I went into the Myth main uh, menu and there, there are many systems all XML driven and you can actually alter what options are there just right in the XML. So I modified the XML to have a projector off command. So right from the main menu I can just select projector off, click on it, and everything closes down. What that does is it completely gets rid of the projector remote and gives full control to the PC. Turns out the problem I was having, why it didn't work before, it, there were actually two problems, which is the reason why difficult to troubleshoot. First off, the serial ports on Linux, apparently, well, there's a maximum speed, and it's like uh, uh, 115,200. That's like the maximum speed of the serial port. But manufacturers wanted to go above that. So what they did was they added a non-standard base speed for the serial port, and then they used a divisor, or, or divisor, <coughs> to divide that base speed. Now, normally it assumes that it's set to 115,000, but the base was actually set to this other number, which wasn't a even divisor or divisor of the first number. So I was getting not exactly 9,600 B or baud. I was getting like 7,000 baud, which isn't good enough. So I reset the base speed, got that all working, and then I found out that. This stupid document that I had from Optima, the maker of my projector, was the wrong spec sheet. It said it was the right spec sheet, but it wasn't. So I was sending it the wrong commands. So I found another similar projector, and I looked, and all the menus were identical to the one I had, whereas the other spec sheet, the menus were not identical. So I tried that out, and I was able to get it to work. So, Did you get a $50 discount from your... I should have gotten a $50 discount because I probably worked on that thing for 8 to 10 hours getting it to work. But I got it, darn it. I was dedicated. Well, the problem, the problem being that something goofs up the projector remote. Like, it reads some light somewhere, I can't figure out what it is, and it disables the projector remote. Which is really annoying because the projector is on the ceiling. Now that's fine, except I'm moving and the ceilings are vaulted. So now, I'm, yeah, I'm going to have to have the you know the alternate remote you know, with the rubber finger. If you would have very uh, very uh, sports-like child, you know, just, just on the shoulders. Yeah, just Hit the power, Johnny! <laughs> but anyway, now I got it so that it completely works through the PC and shouldn't need the remote at all. You know, I think, okay, well, I, I wanted to, to suggest that I set my group there, but you need it, but, uh, okay. Well. No, I'm, I'm good, thanks. Okay. Okay. I appreciate the, the offer. Cool. Hmm. Sounds like a plan. Do we have any XR discussion ready? Really what whatever he wants to do with it. So tech TV guy before they turn. TV. Yes, it, it oh, used to be tech TV, and then right now it's uh, Bo. Is it the Leo guy? No, no, the other guy? No, no. It used to be Patrick Norton, but he left. Oh yeah. 
That's basically all I get out of G1 now. Is that the one where he's like that? In the aliens or something? Yeah, I thought it was the weirdest way to promote something as cool as Hulu. Well, it's <laughs> Alex Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. I think no, that's what it is. It's yeah, I mean, him from the show, and it's. If you've yeah. seen the show, it's pretty. Okay, so I'm now on the TV. Really awesome. Yeah, with uh, security now. With Steve Gibson? Yeah, well, I used to, but then, uh, then he sort of, Steve Gibson, started to stutter too much. And, uh, the security guy? Yeah, from the beginning, it was great, actually. Yeah. He was saying how TCPIT is working, and he was talking about encryptions and uh, virtualization well, yeah, from, from, from the beginning, beginning. But then uh, it sort of got out of the way. I don't care what security issues, but he just threw stuff out of the do you, do you don't like him either? No. Jeez, I think he's awesome. So there are two people that <laughs> don't he, like him. Did he, did he buy a spinner spin, spin from him? No. Why? No. Yeah, because that's no, all what it, what it is right now, all of them. No, it's not. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. He talks about it because he needs money to do the show. But... No, he, through the show, he's promoting his spin right. That's yeah. It's a great one. You don't want to get one until it's well, he's a great guy when he's on I've never seen the show. Like he, he's probably pretty informative, but like he's had a lot of. There's been numerous situations where he's really. There's been situ like uh, news stories where he's just really wrong, and uh, I can't think of the word where he just makes it sound like he's a real travesty or something really bad. Over exaggerating. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a, yeah. And, and you know that's you know from the beginning he was very good. You know he was he he did know what he was talking about and he, he knew how to say it clear but then you know he has, he has a show every week so you need to put a content there so what I'm going to do well there's nothing new to do so we need to make something up yes. and then to let it start it in this computer security circles he's kind of like regarded as a joke well, but if you learn something from him yeah, then, I mean that's, that's there's nothing wrong to it's not like he's necessarily wrong about certain things it's just yeah. hmm. you get value out of him then is there, was there some specific? Was there some specific event? Like was he hacked or something? That made well, the big thing was he made a big deal. I remember it was about uh, when Windows XP was coming out. Uh, that's part of raw socket support. And apparently that was going to be the end of the world. And hackers were just going to take over Windows and the other ones would be secure. And it's not without words, but that was one of the big things. But he stopped it. it. He stopped it. You know, he put his foot down and he stopped it. Everything is good. Yeah. World. <laughs> and we are happy to be living again. Yeah. No, he does talk about the, the, about the raw socket. Still on. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. 
Let's shut our computers down and then we'll say, well, what do we have them for? We can't connect them, we can't do anything. So who's going to start? Start what? Well, the Debian file was released. Debian? I don't use that crap. Anybody use Debian? Well, everybody who's using Linux, the Ubuntu is actually it's like the the mother of yes. a lot of different distributions, including this. I thought it was either Debian or RPM. Well, that's that's the package manager. The package manager came from Debian. If you go back to like Ubuntu six point oh six, you're probably using the current version of Debian. So. The plus side is it's going to be really stable. I mean, because it's yeah. Yeah. everything in it's been two years since they've updated. But, but you know, you don't have to you don't have to mount your own USB uh, stick anymore. You know, it's not so much a desktop. The, the package manager is, or the packages for the install are just named the same because they originally came from Debian Linux, so they're named Debian package files. Debian files. Absolutely. Okay. Ubuntu is Just not like, a base distribution. It comes from something else. Whereas Red Hat, think of it is the same way. Susie's a base. Same way. RPM actually stands for Red Hat Package Manager. Manager. Okay. So it came from Red Hat. Debian DEB you know came from Debian Linux. Interesting. It's okay. Everything's fine. Debian is kind of like Red Hat. Yeah, we are going to call Steve Gibson right now, as uh, our world would. Uh, Reach equilibrium. <laughs> so that's okay. Take a look at the map of all the different uh, Linux variants. You'll see exactly where Debian came from. Yeah. Actually, Debian is kind of like Red Hat Enterprise, and Ubuntu is kind of like Fedora. Um, yeah, sure. Let's move on. Oh, Ubuntu is based off the testing branch of that's Debian. Yeah, let's let's move so, on. Hold on. If you're hold using on Ubuntu, now. you're okay. a beta tester, really. Our yeah. our Yep, same thing. Our Fedora man is going to tell us about Debian. No, I'm just going to, I'm looking for a picture here. Yeah. A picture is worth a thousand words. Yeah. Like a tree? Yeah, they yeah. have one. <laughs> um, I think Debian, Debian is one of the first branches from them. Yep, that's exactly what I'm looking at is the well, Linux well, distro time. Another one. branch is your, your Red Hat, so there's another distro branch. Time Susie is uh, considered a its own. Where's that? Slack Twitter is considered and so on. Uh, yeah. well, they have a lot of derivatives there. WineReviews.net. I don't know how that. So, For it's going to be kind of hard to see. Too. I'll just. <laughs> if, if there's still Gen 2. Holy oh, shit. See, these are all the Linux distros. Yeah, it's sort of. I didn't install them in Xbox. So this is the Red Hat. Is that the no. no, it was. Right at the base. This is what they call it. So all of these distros. It was a Gen 2 derivative of the original Xbox. Oh, that was uh, all no. of these distros actually. There's a specialized like distribution put on the stuff? original no. Xbox, and it was a Gen uh, 2 derivative. Those are some of the other ones. Though. I think it was like Susie right? here. No. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. Flagware. I think it's a ridiculous yep. operating system. There's, so there's a bunch of other ones that Gen 2 kind of. Well, some people might still have to those you on your own hardware. That means it's ridiculous. Anyone that's a 
anyone that's under this branch. I think they made a lot of things in balance when they created their live CD. To do the base. But one of the biggest disadvantages of Gentoo is the initial install because you've got to compile everything from the beginning. But a while ago, they came out with a live CD. Uh, which basically has okay. a lot of base of like the most when, common i3 632 bit downloaded RPM bin yeah, files or, or whatever. Where's that? I mean, whatever the compiled versions are. I don't know and then that's there. in turn yeah, help them get up and running. And then from there you can fire back, add it on programs. You know, Gen T used to be very popular distribution. Yeah, and there was a problem with their. One of those lead programmers had like a heart attack. There was some major health problem that like really set them back. And I think that's when they really lost steam, and that's when Ubuntu kind of took off. Yeah, so I think that was one of the one of the things that really kind of hit them in the head. Yeah, yeah. And uh, right now, I know that they they lost their uh, uh, foundation as a nonprofit organization uh, status, and uh, you know it just was going down the hill. I don't know you know where they are right now, but uh, it's in uh, cool. sort of what. Into. You know, while you and guys walk looking at that picture, you know, which uh, so we were moving on. So uh, there was something about Red Hat and Microsoft patent uh, or partner, part they partnered up, and uh, the thing was uh, they were saying that actually Red Hat didn't have didn't actually sign up any uh, licensing agreement. So they were saying in uh, in virtualization we are partner partner with you and we are going to work on. Interoperability, that's a big word for me. Yeah, I read that and it, eh, it's just kind of, they both decided that it's the best if we we uh, validate one version of your software on ours and you validate one version of our software on yours. Yeah. It's just a good business sense. Well, well somehow the the Microsoft acknowledges yeah. they are mutual customers. That's I don't like, think there's a lot of work to be done. I think it's more of a yeah, you know, corporate feel-good. Yes, call exactly. that, that's exactly what This doesn't work good, and instead of getting, we don't support that operating system, you get, well, you know, what kind of we'll look at it. We'll, yeah, we'll look at it. Then uh, they hang up. We'll open, <laughs> open up a ticket. We'll close it in about a month. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, one of the things they were saying, well, guess what? Uh, uh, you guys know, well, you had to exchange money here and there. Even though I do not understand because I think that Novell was actually recipient of more money than Microsoft. So from that point, Novell was actually getting more money. But uh, there was some indemnation thing with the Novell. So they were saying that this is much better deal, whatever Red Hat pretty much came out and said to Microsoft, we'll deal with you, but you put patents in there and we're out. And because Red Hat has kind of got some ideals and they just won't back down. Actually, Red Hat was trying for codexes. You know, the, about a year ago, year and a half ago, they, they tried to uh, release a desktop operating system. And uh, it was hinging on codexes, codex support. And they wanted to actually have some codex support from Microsoft. And Microsoft was just just pushing that they are good. they want to have a patent in there. And uh, Red Hat just walked away. From yep. Exactly. So, they, so that, that I guess Microsoft learned that if they want something, that's what it is. Cool. Good. Uh, Miro 2.0. Miro is uh, another. Is that here? here it is. Like it. uh, it's actually another player. It's a it's a streaming player, and I know that Mozilla invested some money into it some time ago. And uh, so they have actually 2.0. There's your Hulu over there, and Family Guy probably. 
So it's another version of Oxy? No, it's a hero. It's a player. Oh, it's just a player. Okay. It's a competitor. It's a boxy. Yes. It's less than a whole on media center thing. It's more of an application that you yes. use. You probably wouldn't use it on your TV, whereas Boxy, you you put it on your TV, you yeah. would use it. It depends what you want to do with it. Zero use. Excuse me? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it's based, it's based on Mozilla, I think. Yes. Is it browser based? Uh, I don't know exactly how that works, but yeah, I've got the one dot whatever version installed because it was in the Ubuntu repos, and it's not a web app, I'm no I'm afraid to start it just because <laughs> the first time I started it, it, it just stole my processor. In the in the older day, I started it up and I wasn't sure actually what it's supposed to be doing. I couldn't yeah. get it to play anything. It used to be called <laughs> from. It used to be I called the I wanted to be more cautious too. I thought it looked nice. Eight months ago, I was running it for a while and it worked fairly well as a BitTorrent client and basically it's just a stream aggregator. Mm -hmm. It had a decent, decent uh, interface. But yeah. I'm just playing around with Boxy now. That is much, much nicer than your was. I like the interface. It's very clean. Yeah. I know that uh, Mozilla has their entirely own uh, widget set and everything too, so it might be using that. It might not actually be browser based. I don't know. I haven't looked at it. I don't know. I, yeah. So it was up there. Uh, there was an article about using DF for diagramming. It was. It, it appeared to be a very nice article. Very long article. So. Uh, eh. Eh. It's kind. Of, it's kind of useful. It's kind of it's kind of difficult to use. Is it? I, I like OpenOffice Draw better for just this? creating simple stuff. I think they were talking about OpenOffice, but they they were saying that DI is better than OpenOffice. Well, it's better at some things. Keep paying. Uh, Depends what you're doing. I mean, yeah, I guess for the stuff that I was doing, the OpenOffice Draw actually worked better. But I can see there are some things where dial. Probably for for simple drawings, you're going to use. You know, an open office drawing program or something else. For software diagrams, you're going to use an IDE's diagramming tool. Yeah. For you know, electrical drawings, you're going to use something else. So, yeah. Question is kind of, what are you going to use DF for? It's too complicated for little stuff. And yeah, and they it's don't not have quite specialized enough for other things. The only thing that would be really useful is if they actually had some uh, nice clip art Nikon pieces, and they don't. So it's like, there, there's your niche, and you missed it. You missed the ball. Don't worry, somebody will get uh, a new developer, and they'll, they'll start to rewrite it. This has been around for a long time, and it I really hasn't made any years. Okay, let's go. Uh, there, was, uh, there was another article about money, personal finance, uh, uh, financial uh, application. Without a headache. Well, if you have a headache, you install it and your headache. It's like aspirin, this thing. Your headache will go away. And uh, so I heard about it in Java based, so it's perfect, you know, no exceptions. Um, uh, I would say that on Linux, probably the best financial application is Money Dance, uh, but you have to pay for it. You have to pay about fifteen dollars for it. Mint.com. Excuse me. Mint.com. Mint.com. No, I would. No, I think I would stay away from there. But, well, if you enjoy it, that's great. Uh, 
it's a web-based. Uh, you can target oh. investments. Uh, okay. You know, you write your social security number or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's not any different than the, the TurboTax I type everything into every day. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. There was something about uh, raw image tools for Linux. Uh, I actually there is there on this article there is nothing really new, but it's well, there. Well, that uh, number two there is kind of interesting. Wait, I installed that on Amanda's camera. Did you? What it is is it's uh, it's not a replacement firmware, but it's almost like a program that yes. runs on top of the existing firmware. Yes. So yes. it loads off of the di off of the uh, flash disk or the SD card. And will give you additional features over what's already there. And, and you can actually save it raw. Yep, and that's one of the main things on that camera. There's no option to save in raw. With this firmware or this program, you can actually save your images raw. And there's a bunch of other things like there's a few ISO settings and uh, frame rate, or not frame rate, shutter speeds that you can't get with the built in uh, settings or the built in firmware, and this will override it. So that you can get those additional settings. Yes. You can also run scripts on your uh, yes. camera. I, I heard about it, and yeah. I, I guess I probably discovered that because I already can save raw. So I sort of went through it. I read it. Yep. Yeah. They really say that the main, the most useful thing about that is the scripting, because you can you can set your camera up to take a shot every, you know, two minutes or something, mm. or they have like a motion sensor script that you can put in there. Get the results of the motion sensor, take photos on motion sense, and all yeah, sorts of stuff like that. Stay on camera and motion sensor. Yep. They can? Yep. But it works only on camera. Monitors the what monitors the pixels and when it senses more of a or greater than a certain threshold of change between two pixels. Then it considers that the frames have changed. You you need to have a Canon camera which is using this processor. Yep. Oh. Well, Two and uh, most, three processors. Right, and most Canon cameras that you get are going to have that. Anything in about the hundred and fifty to whatever range are going to have that. So like digital cameras or like DSLRs. Well, DSLR uh, SLR, SLRs do have those same ones. Okay. Uh, a friend of ours has a. Uh, I can't remember the model number. It's about fifty. He paid about fifteen hundred bucks for it, so it's a nice camera, and it has the uh, um, Digic Three, wow. which Amanda's camera has the Digic Three as well, and that was like three hundred and fifty. So like a Rebel or something? Or? No, it's I, a PowerShot. Yeah, I I yep. have a the first first Rebel, and I don't think that I have this processor there. So, huh? But I could I could shoot it in RAW, but I cannot. Uh, I cannot do those like motion. It's not pretty, but does what it needs to do. Yeah. Could you break your? Nope. Because it doesn't replace the firmware that's there. It loads on top of it. So what you can do is, if it if the SD card is in and the SD card is right protected, it will read from the SD card and look for a certain file. If the certain file is there, it'll run it when when the uh, camera boots up. So all you have to do is switch You need to have that SD card with that firmware there on all yep. the time. Yep. And if you take the SD card out, move the camera, it starts up normally. Wow. And you haven't made any changes to it. Cool. So that's kind of cool. That's that's nice. So there's a file you store on that SD card yep. that you wrote. Well, that they wrote, yeah. Wow. 
their program interfaces with program. the camera. Yeah, okay. interfaces with the camera, and then you can put scripts on there that you write as well, okay. or download or whatever. And then, then they have the other application. I think this is library. Uh, DC, DC raw. I think that's the library. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is application. That's actually plug into uh, game. Uh, raw studio. I, I don't know. Uh, raw ther therapy. It sort of it sort of works and sort of doesn't work. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what kind of uh, license it is. It's sort of you know. I tried a few times. It wasn't done. This is actually photo management. Uh, it's a it's an album. Picasa. It's an album. And uh, raw view. Raw view. I did try in raw view. And this was kind of funky. I think raw view is old. Yeah. Uh, but what I want, what I'm doing right now is that uh, I stick it in Picasa, and I adjust it in Picasa, and uh, then you can export. You you don't have to export your your own pictures, but if you want to actually save them, you export it, and then you have your RAW and then your JPEG. Yep. So that's what I'll do, and uh, because I used to have actually two different programs, and uh, I spent hours and hours on it, and you know, I didn't do it. You see that. That I had pictures up to here, and then from from May last year, I, I didn't develop any pictures. I just I had to brew, you know. <laughs> so that's what I do. I use Picasa, and it appears to be working quite well. That's a Wine program, right? Actually, I, I run I I run through Wine, but uh, you can you have a Linux that package, so that there's that's a customized. But I run it through regular Wine Windows program. So and that I, okay. That appears to be working better than uh, than Linux version. I thought like Google donate a lot of code to Wine because it's yes, there. yes, absolutely, yep. yes. Either go through Wine through their stuff or go through your own Wine. I see. And that's what I sort of figure out. You know that uh, they they already contributed to Wine, so I'll use Windows program, and uh, it it actually has more features. Windows programs has more features than Linux program. <laughs> Let's say they have this. Uh, Upload uh, this movie. You can actually upload movie to your uh, Picasa web, you know. But uh, Linux program, I think, doesn't have it. So I'm huh. I've been back and forth between Picasa and Fspot for the last year, probably. I think mean, I think I've just settled on Fspot because it's easier to manage stuff. I even even in here, you know, if you get a couple thousand pictures in here, you're going to be I have You're gonna have a pain to keep I have a couple thousand. Do you, you actually can do anything with them though? I mean, yeah. it's just a bunch of pictures splattered yeah. in there. So. Uh, well, it depends. I actually keep it. I organize it by year and month. Yeah, you you've know. got to manually organize all your folders. And that's which is actually I do like I do like organizing my pictures. I don't like to have magic. That's why when I'm done without adjusting here, I, I will explore those pictures and I will actually keep that, them. That's why I settled on F spot exactly is because you know what I. I don't want to manage them anymore. So I what does up. F spot I do? can't keep up with it. Does it like look at the dates on the uh, images or in the It does a couple of things that I think are really nice. It tags all your imports as an import role that you can always search and find all the pictures you imported at any given point in time. It like anything else, it keeps track of all the changes you've made to it. 
it uh, does it does it read, like the exif yeah. data that like the camera right that's where the, that's where it's a lot better is the actual exif data that and you can apply okay. your own takes to it so I think that's the the organizational features of fspot I just huh. I've I haven't seen anything that comes close to making it as easy to find stuff, organize stuff, the, and, the, and they're, they're getting enough a number of plugins for the cross and other things. The best program what I what I saw organizing as, as far as your album organization was uh, Adobe, I think they call it Photo Album, something like that. But that was only for Windows, and uh, I used to use it for some time, and I didn't actually find any, any program that close to whatever it was doing. It is very good for people that they If that would be on Linux, I would pay money for it. Yeah. I would pay my fifty dollars for it. Yes. So cool. That's all what I, I think want. Uh, iPhone over OS ten is pretty decent. Can't run it. I mean if so I don't so want to spend yeah, I've got fifty nine dollars for my phone. Yeah. So I can find like all the pictures of myself. Yeah, iPhoto. No offense to F-Spot and everything, but I mean, I like this. Yeah, you need to do a man. You need to add a man. I don't know what their Linux has. Honestly. They're there. I mean, I know the hardware is expensive, but the hardware, you get what you pay for. Together. It's called high-end hardware. So if you have the money and everything, even iPhoto and Obi, free apps that come with the Mac and everything, it blows away anything based on, like, date. Like just let's move on. Let's move on. I want all the. Well, yeah, seriously, can you can you name it? Oh, yeah, 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 seriously, all of you. Is it based on yeah. the import? I've used all three, and I would I would honestly love to see an iPhone for Linux. I really you know, would. You know, I don't have I don't have two thousand dollars for for a computer, I'm sure but I paid about three thousand dollars brewing structure. So. You know. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. If you want to get drunk, it's drunk. Drunk. Well, drunk. So yeah, it's got this timeline up here, <laughs> and that's it's written in mono. So <laughs> that's not a very good demo. Yeah, yeah. He just, we, he just got Python. I know. Shall we keep on going? I got mono. Yep. Actually, <laughs> he got monetized. He got mono. <laughs> uh, there were uh, there were a few applications uh, last week. We actually were talking about this Linux uh, and CNC. So yep. we're talking about that. And then uh, Adam uh, last week set up this uh, FTP server, fully fast, with this uh, GA. Can you, can you say what it is? G admin tools. G admin tools. God. <laughs> I don't know. Is that right? I didn't want to do it. But... Gadmin do what? Gadmin do what? <laughs> say it almost oh, like okay. you're swearing. Gadmin uh, uh, tools. Yeah. Like <laughs> that. So he was saying it was good, and I believe you know. There's some of it, I don't know. They're a little bit confusing. Some of them, they're not the most intuitive interfaces, but they are interfaces to some config files that a layperson who hasn't worked with an FTP server might get really frustrated with. So, like I, said, I managed to get the server up and running and create different user accounts for it with access to different directories and see fairly complicated stuff I never. It would have taken me hours to sit down and read through the man just a config file. And, and then I uploaded file there, and then he, he quickly closed the port. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the security now, as Steve Gibson couldn't come to his house. That's all he's doing. <laughs> just come through the internet and pop yeah. on my computer. Uh, there was some kind of article on how no, to... No, I opened it wide open and forwarding. Uh, how to transcode actual Linux video using encoder. Encoder. It's gonna. It's gonna. Uh, 
Encore is good, but you need to know all these things, you know. So it's actually good, you know. Pretty much all those other pieces of software use this in the background. Yes, yes, that's what it is. There's only about two or three different encoder programs. You know, I they're all just plugged. I bought a video actually, and it does have. There's not really. Uh, it's it's uh, how you evaluate beer, you know, and there's not a lot of visual there. There's more. It's more actually audio. So uh, you know, if I would want to actually rip audio from the video, probably that's what I would use. Yeah, this is really order. useful for that. Yeah. Is there a way to know when a, when like an application like this, what libraries it's using? Yeah, there's a Linux command. Uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, it's, it's called. It's called. Give it up. LD. LVD. Is that it? No. It's. LDD print shared library dependencies. That might be it. So if you go LDD mencoder, uh, not found. I suppose I should, should check whether I even have it. I don't. I, yeah, there, there is the your package manager can tell you what dependencies it has. Well, something kind so of. If you could be that file, then I promptly told you that you, it was hosed. Yeah, yeah, it was hosed. <laughs> Because I saved the tags before I converted the file. That's a good question. Uh, last week we were talking about this create spaces. That's actually where I bought that. Uh, somebody put it in their content and I was able to buy it from there. So if you have a content you want to sell, this is actually on demand. You own the rights. They don't own the rights. They're they actually telling you, you don't, they don't own the rights. Huh. Uh, there was an article, How to Write a Linux Virus. Did somebody read this? No, but it sounds interesting. Even this week, actually, there was a, there was a discussion about uh, about this, uh, how to write a Linux virus. And, uh, I wonder, did you read it? Read about it? Give it up about that thing. Uh, I read through it. There's got to be more than one way to do it. I don't know. I actually, I more just went straight to the comments and everybody said, yeah, Everybody knew about this like for two years. No one really cares. Uh, okay, so we are safe. I, I think we're okay for now. Is this Steve Gibson who is writing his article? There we go. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So uh, how do you do it? Where is it? I didn't read it. It was uh, pretty much the it's a, the same thing that happens in Outlook. Pretty much, you send them a executable, and Outlook automatically you know executes Windows uh, programs. And uh, it was, um, I can't remember, Evolution or whatever. I don't use Evolution. Well, you're safe then. Oh. It auto could so automatically open a uh, launcher file. It would automatically open a launcher file and then execute. So it's not how to write a virus. It's privileges for Evolution. Pretty much. It doesn't have root privileges. It only ha well, it can still wipe your home drive. I mean, who cares if it trashes your file system if your home drive is gone. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what you back it up. 40 hours! <laughs> your iPhone is the remote. Well, your rugby browser is a different user. Uh, is it through... It is the L LDD command. L what? Oh, open up a prompt. 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 Five second demo. Can you get that to work with boxes? Um, you know what? Name of a pro you got a name of a program? Type so LDD space and whatever the program, but it keeps the Mem folder. Um try again. Mem. 
If that's if you have it, you have it installed, right? I don't have it. I think it has to be installed. Let's see if I have it installed. Like the game you're trying to put there, right? Yeah, put game. No, LDD just doesn't search your path and then it only searches Mine does. Or wait, oh yeah, go to go to user bin and then USR where? Bin. And then uh, no slash. It's probably working. No forward slash. Just bin. And then type LDD bin. Um, and it gives you all the different libraries that the GIMP uses. So you can enjoy yourself, you know, tonight when you get home. You can actually go and say, you can check it out. Huh. Never knew that. That's okay. Like, hey, that is awesome. I don't need this library. Uh, that last week we were talking about this guy here. That uh, our, I cannot say that. Arduino? Yeah. Arduino, whatever. Yeah, what a weird name, huh? Yeah, but it looks like it was working, so great. And then Adobe and Nokia pledge uh, $100 million for Flash and uh, Air for those applications. So, uh, well, that means that uh, I guess we are going to have some applications there. Uh, somebody is money, we'll have applications. All right, another framework that we can support. Well, and uh, Adobe is pushing air for some time. You know? oh, yeah. And it really hasn't gone anywhere anyway. There was a, as far as I that was the front article of uh, Linux Journal this month. Was um, Adobe Air and all the apps that you can run on Linux. Air is a really good idea. They just didn't integrate it well enough with any existing technologies. You know, there was well, something. You know, there was something. Could be platform could be good. Uh, it's. There was some, be some kind of, of so. yeah. there was some kind of connection between Nokia and Fluendo. I read it somewhere this week, and I was surprised. I thought that Fluendo was on, on its own. So it was. Hmm. The only thing I'm mad about Fluendo with is we can only get the, uh, the what's their media player? Is that the Elijah? the Elijah? Is it? Uh, yeah, Elijah. The media players. Yeah, they only have it packaged for Ubuntu or plain old source code. And uh, at one time I tried to do, I tried to compile it, I gave up because it's using actually some kind of uh, sub libraries and uh, and of course no, those aren't no, packaged either. Yeah, so you have to be that bad. I think you can get a dev file for it, but maybe it was in the Fedora, the fresh RPMs. I think Elijah. So you've got the website up there, don't you? The Fluendo one. What's it? Uh, I forget how exactly to the spell it. Uh, Stop! Stupid Python program will end when it's called Control C. Service Press. Hang on. I'll see if it's in the repositories. I'll see it here. Never mind. What else do we have there? Actually, 
I tried to view that like multiple times and the website was down. And I yeah. just looked at it, now it's back up. Well, yeah, I said too, is the one thing you wanted to click on. It. <laughs> and I kept going, there was someone's blog on their server at home. I'm like, man, they tore their own thing down. Yeah, someone. PD. Actually, the, this guy is from the Linux with Tech Show. And uh, he, he's, he's working a lot of with, uh, with TV and media. So. Uh, uh, there's an article about that uh, hodgepodge. What is it? It's, uh, I think it's high definition. Uh, well, it's a hodgepodge. So your capture card. I think that's what it's in Is this better? Is it better than the package? Hodgepodge. It actually works. Oh, is that something to run in a TV? It's not hardware. It's just, it's just a hardware. Um, the CD key. Is it like yeah. a standalone capture device? Yeah, it's just. Uh, it's an like external like capture device. It's just the capture hardware. It's not a 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 you know, that's yes. a good concept, but this is they need to take it a step further and make it a fully-fledged DVR unit itself, you know. Make it its own standalone device, make it cross-platform, and make it show up as a NAT, and then you've got a good solution. Yeah, you're right. I've never been terribly impressed with how much. I tried to go with their TV tuner cards and PCI cards, like 98 or something like that. I've had any problems with mine. Yeah, it just works. Much to I would say a lot of people on Linux like Hotpot because yeah, it doesn't work. I have one of those, and then I have one of those HC, HC TV 5500, you know, the special high-def card that's made for Linux. And those two just, they just work. I haven't had any problems with them. So, maybe I'm lucky. There was a FOSDEM conference. You know, I was really disappointed with this. They had the video. And you couldn't see the screen, and they had the audio, and they ha only had the audio on the left channel, and on the right handle channel they had full static, and the audio skipped about once every four minutes. It skipped like two or three seconds. I wanted to listen to it. I actually listened to 15 minutes worth of complete and utter crap. <laughs> the crappiest sound quality ever because I wanted to listen to it and eventually I just gave up. So did you get anything out of those? Yeah, it minutes? was very interesting what they're doing with X. Because the, the, the Keith Packard, uh, whatever is his name, he's actually the head honcho, he works for Intel. And uh, mm -hmm. he's actually leading the, I think he's leading this sort of project. Yeah. What, are, what is the overview of it? What's well, the, really, the part that I had heard, it's an hour-long talk, so I only heard a part of it. Okay. Um, I heard about the Graphics Execution Manager, which pretty much they're writing a, their own kind of embedded operating system into X that does management of memory and resources, where before they never had any manager. So they had the 3D, they had the 2D, they had all these different pieces, but they couldn't talk to one another. So if you wanted to do something in 2D and pipe it to 3D, you actually had to do it on the video card, offload it into main memory, and then reload it back onto the video card into 3D in order to transfer it, because there was no transfer between the different pieces. So everything was way inefficient when you wanted to talk to the different pieces in X. So they added this piece right in the middle that manages everything, manages caching and all that, and it provided for really easy ways to connect all of the different pieces together. Um, 
was this the late next thing that will come out, or is this a ways off? Or um, I think it should be fairly soon if it's not already like in the works. Okay. Cool. I don't know. That was probably towards the end of the hour talk. Yeah. You know, because at some point, well, about half half a year ago, the people are complaining that that XORG is not doing a lot. You know that there was not a lot of bugs fixing, and uh, that their release cycle was too slow and stuff like that. So maybe they were just busy. It was, it was actually really interesting if you're interested in how it works underneath the hood, but the audio just kills it. It's it's just you're supposed to download the the flash and then, then rip the audio. Off. It wouldn't have fixed it because the audio was just bad to begin with. There were glitches, one, one glitches in the audio. Well, that's what I did. I actually muted one channel on my sound card and listened to it. Yeah. But there was still a little bit of static and the missing the missing sections of like four or five seconds. It always occurred when he was saying something important. So it's like, <laughs> what the heck did he say? And there's no. You know, you'll never know what it said. Yeah. No well, you can you can write in an email. Probably. That was, I think, the first comment. Somebody needs to transcribe this, and guess what he says every two minutes. Uh, in in uh, in how to actually, we have a few about IP addresses, and uh, there was uh, some really interesting concept, which actually got me excited. Nothing really gets me excited anymore. But uh, what, uh, what this guy, actually there is a database behind it. And uh, so here's actually the, the dump from a database. You have uh, multiple tables, I think you have five tables. And uh, what they do is uh, how they, because, because towns or cities are, uh, are assigned ranges of IP addresses, but it can be actually bouncing, so that's why you need to make a calculation of, of, of the IP address. And how they did it was that they got IP address and they took the first number, multiplied by you know, 256, and then they added to a second number, plus uh, they multiplied by 256, plus the third number. They throw, throw away the fourth number because they were saying, well, all the fourth numbers are from the same geographical area. And then uh, you got your result and you matched it against uh, the, the database where you actually had your number. So you could actually do the range. That yeah, we, we do this on the cmobile.com. Um, we actually use a database uh, from a company called MaxMind, com. I think it is. They have, a, they have a free version. Okay. Um, it's only about 4% off uh, uh, accuracy from like the paid version. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's basically, I think, only about two or three tables. And yeah, like you said, it's just the IP blocks. Yes. Um, since an IP address is just a one-sided integer, you just calculate that, and it goes in between. And it happens. Uh, yeah. Decently. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I describe it. I was, you know, I was very, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a data person. You, know, you can do that with uh, GPS coordinates, too. I've seen that done, where they have, like, different latitude items that are latitude and longitude, and then you can give it an SQL statement that will say, Okay, I want everything within 50 miles of this yes. latitude and longitude. It actually does all the math and everything right in the SQL statement. That's cool. in, 
Sorry, again, that's just the backbone of our list of local site. That's how I yep. recall our streets. So if I, if I need something like that, I'll come to see you. Absolutely. That's cool. what we specialize in. So much you no, pull, uh, yeah, well, that, not that I would want to pull something out of, out of for free, but that's what is going to happen. No, we have a lot of first. You might get some beer. You might, you might get some beer, yeah. That's about That's <laughs> So I was, I was, you know, it... That this concept actually, it's, uh, I mean, you take yeah. a string yeah. and you convert it to a certain The like database has got the latitude and longitude rating. Yes, it does. So you could, yes. So does MaxMind, uh, just yeah. in case you check that out. Because, because this actually, uh, this dumb, he's saying that he's going to, to update how accurate it is. So maybe, he's not saying where, where it's coming from. So your IP address is given out geographically, is that the whole gist of this? Sort of. But then we were, we were saying, how do you know, let's well, say no, I'm a charter customer. Well, I'm coming to, from here I go, I'm charter is in Kentucky, somewhere there. You know? So from here I go actually on, on private network to Kentucky, and then I'm getting out in Kentucky to a public network. Uh, how does it know that I'm in, I'm in here? Are you asking me? Yeah. Oh, basically, like, you can look up, like the way MaxMine or wherever you got this database from was like, you know, all the internet addresses are registered with a company yes. or things like that. Yes. And they just assign them out to geographic yes. or they figure out yes. what block. But doesn't it actually know where I come uh, up? So so isn't it actually, doesn't know that I'm coming from Kentucky or from Oakland? Well, it knows that Charter is using, like, the however, okay. know, their business is basically to figure okay. out, this, there's this IP block, okay. they ask Charter, where are you using okay. this IP block, and okay. they would say, oh, clear. So then they, they, oh, okay, okay. So that was the, the what's your the, I think it's maxmind.com. No, your, your company that you use for, that you guys created. There is um, for the My company, the website I'm talking about is called listlocal.com. List, listed local? And I'm kind of curious what city will put you in. It, it, it's not Eau Claire. Um, Maxima? 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 M-A-X-M-I-N-D. Or just type G-O-I-P. G-O-I-P. G-E-O-I-P. That's probably how you need it. So like I could use your site, yeah, for example, to look for all sources of broadband in Eau Claire. Probably not. Okay. <laughs> it's more real estate and vehicle listings. And okay, something simple. Pizza. You probably could, yeah. Pizza. Cool. Very nice. Yeah, but they have a, if you uh, search for GYP, I think free or something, they have basically GYP city, GYP colony. The results are not found for pieces. Free open source city. Because that actually, that's that thing, you know, here, uh, it was actually the whole world. Okay, yeah, so is this. Uh, okay. It doesn't get any process. Yeah, I think they're, the downloads are usually wrong until you start. They have a, uh, a CSV version you can download. It's cool as Nintendo. Whatever you want. Yeah. And they have a binary version, which may or may not be a little bit faster than the no, that one was uh, done from uh, MySQL that we are on Oracle. Oh, I, I had, uh, it doesn't translate. Just, yeah, no, definitely not. So, you know, at least from here you have a CSV version and then you know, process that into uh, whatever it is. <laughs> yes. So, so if it's CSV, I could uh, 
they call it external tables. What do you do from external table that you so load it to regular? Right, yeah. No, 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 because it receives so, signals. Does your site list of local.com, does it automatically go out and aggregate like businesses and stuff, or does it have to be like some some third parties that do that? We're getting a hopefully a business database. So like oh, a uh, giant yellow pages yeah, nationwide kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're spending on some investors. Do you do uh, also the geolocation? Actually, this is what we just said. See you later. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're saying that's like 50 miles from, from here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we have some custom software that does geolocation-based searches, uh, but it's, it's very easy to do even in SQL. Okay. Um, you know, it's basically look up the latitude longitude. Yeah. I, I learned something. Yeah, questions about the yeah. I, I learned something new. This is how they know when you go to the Pirate Bay where that girl should be from Montclair. Yeah, I was actually just going to say that if you ever see those things that say, you know, How did you know that? He's following me! He's hiding behind that tree. How did you know they do that? And there are we're definitely all off limits here. So you at the mall last week? Well, come on, we're all geeks. We all probably have relatively intelligent jobs and are blowing and stuff. Yeah. What? It's not the bottom of the feeding you know, post, so to speak. I'm talking something I don't know. Uh, actually, that, that website, if I can get back to it, it had... Uh, it had... Uh, a lot of, you know, let's say like something is coming to my server, not this one. This yeah, server. that one I wouldn't, that first one blocking IP addresses, that may or may not be a good way to do it depending on what you're trying to do. We actually had a situation where we, we get a lot of spam from, um, like there's a lot of people in India and Cam, Cameroon and stuff like that, they just like to put down you know, spam classifieds and things like that. So we were, we were talking with the idea of just, you know, blocking everything from outside the U.S., their bodies for something false positive, but whatever. Um, doing it this guy actually had, let's say, like, uh, uh, he was, uh, how deny allow countries from, uh, so he was saying, if this guy is not coming from, from the location of what I want, and he's appearing, appearing more than just once, you know, so then he was out, you, you were processing, and then you write into IP tables. Yeah, the, the thing is with that, though, like, default IP tables, like, it depends how much you want to block. Yes. Um, we wanted to block everything outside the U.S., and there are a lot of IP blocks. We're talking like in the millions of IP blocks that we're trying to block. The default IP table is going to do a linear search to that, which is going to be slow. It's going to get slow. Yes. Um, there are some patches for IT, IP tables, and there are some other options that will do like a more efficient binary searches or different searches. Um, you just got to get multiple servers and yeah, organize them in a tree and have every server do oh, a little yeah, chunk. Like we have lots of servers. I was just going to say, you have to start doing like clustering with some sort of well, no, database-based IP table that can do massive searches. Well, you just need a more efficient search, um, not you know, going through every single one. Some kind of hash or something. Some sort of index, yeah. Like that. yeah. Specifically, the patches are a form of a binary tree, um, but they're significantly more uh, faster. And so... <laughs> yeah, it was it was interesting that actually it was it was about geolocations and IP addresses. It was more, you know, uh, I found it interesting. Yeah, it's really fun stuff. You yeah. can you know put yeah. that uh, down with you know Google Maps or various mm -hmm. 
various mapping services and uh, doing really cool stuff. So you can pin those girls' pictures on your yeah. Google, Google exactly. Maps. Oh, one, trick. <laughs> one trick with yeah. IP tables that doesn't really have anything to do with this, but it's kind of interesting. You can make your own uh, like poor man's load balancer just using IP tables. What you can take is you just take the last digit. If it's even, go here. If it's odd, go here. Yeah, like modulus base, yeah. Yep. And it's just a simple load balancer, so you don't have to buy, you know, load balancer hardware if you're on a budget. You like to spend money. Can you say something here? I was just going to say, couldn't, I mean, theoretically, with the structure of the business, isn't Google Maps a competitor mm -hmm. to what you're doing, essentially? Not really. I mean, the part of the this is one of the sites we do, it, it's incredibly saturated. There's, I mean, big ones, you'll pay to tell blah, blah, blah. Sure. And there's... Sure. Hundreds of small ones, but we just only want to do it. So kind of a kind of a server hardware you have to have to, to support something like this in the background. Right now, it's just I think uh, two servers and an base server. Um, like we haven't really started marketing you know, whatsoever. Right now, we're looking for investors, or we're talking to investors right now, to really get marketing and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, really, you don't need a lot. Mm -hmm. I was just curious. What kind of pipe you need and what kind of server load you need to support and have um, especially with the large database of yeah, well, you know, businesses. We have a lot of problems. One of the things, businesses, we don't have a ton of businesses. Vehicles, we are one of the biggest, we have one of the biggest databases actually, which is so depressing. But, um, back to what you said, uh, we were doing it completely through SQL, and uh, but then we converted some stuff uh, to a more customized. Uh, very efficient search. Um, sure, sure. Secret sauce. But um, yeah, usually, what they do with uh, with searches like that, they uh, create a custom index. Yep. Like uh, whatever. What do we have? We take my word. For what? All of the uh, uh, and Dicka. Okay. And I think I've heard of that. And that's basically what we've created um, a custom index, which because if you look up very fast, which then to talk to the SQL database, we'll get that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, we don't get a ton of traffic. I mean, we get a decent amount of traffic. I think what's happening? Maybe a megabit per second. How many uniques do you have a month? I can't say. That's a secret. <laughs> That's a secret. That's a secret. Right secret. <laughs> uh, okay. That's Less than a hundred. Never mind. Let's keep on moving. Uh, there was an article about Zenity. Uh, I use Zenity a little bit, so there was an article about that. That's useful. Very that useful. Sorry, you should, um, you should really look into, like if you wanted to start some advertising campaigns mm -hmm. and you wanted to set up some like affiliate marketing or some pay-per-click campaigns or something, you should check out 7search.com. They're one of the lowest pay-per-click advertisers that beat out, I mean, I've been playing around with it, they beat out at Google AdWords 8 to 1 in price. And then, you know, I was using that as a gift to my dad for Christmas this year. Uh, he has a hunting and fishing business and I gave him a campaign using 7search. And for, I think it was... Paid twenty, say the twenty-five or thirty-five dollars, and it drove seven hundred clicks to his website. So it's interesting. Uh, one thing, I'll just real, be real quick, but uh, that we're looking for advertiser uh, investors for is we've actually uh, made a very, very cool advertising platform product, um, completely based on geolocation and things like that, where um, they can basically specify, I want to, you know, advertise within. You know, 20 miles of Old Claire, 50 miles of uh, Minneapolis, and things like that, mm -hmm. in certain sections of the site. And that's one thing we're open to profit on. Uh, but that's another useful thing you can do with those geolocation things. 
I think the, uh, the Facebook advertising model is pretty cool, too, where you can do advertising on a per-network basis, yes. either per town or per state or per... Yeah, but that's actually, we have three tiers where it's within a radius or basically a bounding box. Sure, or sure. It's, it's less structured that way, but I mean, you get the idea. I figured out how to block those annoying pictures. Um, those Facebook... Like the side, the banner yeah, advertising? Yeah, the banner advertisements that are blinding your day like mad. Uh, is it like with the uh, the Firefox add-on, um, ad block? No, nope, it's just an opera. It's, uh, I actually just went in and from their ad server, I just included that in the list of oh, blocks. Don't, don't serve me stuff from here. Yeah. And the ads magically <laughs> went away. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how much quicker this thing is. Yeah, <laughs> I know, it works and it doesn't flash at me anymore. <laughs> Let's say, like, when we are looking for geolocations, we are more looking for fraud. Yeah. So, um, that's, uh, that's the concern. Yeah, that's kind of ours. And, uh, I know the Max Bank company, like, they used to really uh, promote their GIP stuff, and now they're promoting fraud, promoting fraud uh, which probably has to do with their GIP. I don't know what it has to do with, but maybe something to look into. Well, filtering by location, Assuming that anyone from outside of the U.S. is fraudulent. Well, if you well, if you are making if you are doing business just within the uh, United States, or if you are making the pictures just within Wisconsin, proxy and you are shipping anywhere else, so were you trying images to impress it? I'm not trying anybody block anybody, but uh, I know at some point we had orders which they were coming from IP addresses from outside of the United States, and shipment was within the United States. So uh, maybe the person was really fast. I doubt. So that was actually a flag showing shipments from Cafe Press. Or else it's this. It's something that I don't work on. That's why you knew shoes. That's why you knew shoes. You had to run back to the United States. Yes, from Nigeria. And all the ads disappeared because there's only like now, 10 sizes you know, for all the ads. Like captions and things like that. And a lot of you have an image that's not saying something that's a lot of it, but there's got to be something in various regions. Exactly. They have like so you just size, probably 30 pounds. They have all the ads disappear even without blocking. I'm sure in Firefox you can set up user styles too. Yep. Work from home. What do you think that's going for? Uh, we have two more how-tos. We have uh, automated Ubuntu server shutdown. I guess it doesn't probably have to be Ubuntu. It can be any any server. Is that one of those, uh, you know, uh, I things with the anvil hanging over your computer? And, uh, Absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> dominoes that launch a little, you know, arrow and cut the wire. I think this was more on weight on network. So shut down your server if there's no other no computers to serve to. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They, they, have you ever seen those plug-in timers that turn the power on and on? Yeah. Rather than plugging it into that, they just actually <laughs> wire wire it and wrap it around the hard drive so that when it turns on, it just turns your hard drive into a magnet. Oh yeah. Okay. So, that'll that'll, uh, that'll shut I like down. magnets. And then uh, <laughs> there was something about uh, SSH host key protection, which I don't think that I understood, but uh, there was something about it. It was a long article, and if it's a long article, it has to be good. It's all right. Yeah, that always annoys me when, uh, like, an IP I change an IP address of a 
PC and it's like, oh, somebody's trying yes. to do something bad. Yes. I'm not going to let you in and I have to go in and delete the line. Yeah, there's much better tutorials than that, which are basically like three commands, but uh, all our servers are only accessible by SSH keys and password. That's really the way to do it. Do you do both? Or some just require you one. You should do both. I, I know you, you should. If you don't do both, I don't do both. It, it's annoying. <laughs> so you just got have the host keys. A blank. And well, I mean, you have to have a password, but it's a blank. Blank password. So. Is is that required based on your uh, configuration of SSH? Because I've got it set up at home with the host key, and it mm -hmm. doesn't require me to enter a password. It just no. But you can. There's that. a configuration where you can only you can block anything that isn't sent to host key. Or, uh, that's but what it, we do because but it doesn't actually prompt for a password or your separate your separate does well it, it'll always prompt for a password but if it's a blank password then it doesn't matter I mean it, my my it, that must be a server configuration because maybe I got it, one it's, it's been a while since oh. like I have a script that just configures the servers automatically so it's been a while since I've actually manually configured something but uh, yeah it's, it's possible to do that and it's all nice yeah. <laughs> cool. That's good. So are we almost done? I got the three uh, pendants or whatever, and I got the sword, and I uh, got the moon pearl. Uh, uh, Triforce? What? Uh, <laughs> 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 wow. The Legend of Zelda, the missing link. Oh, missing link. Well, I think. How about this be I think so. I don't know. I got it. I'm playing it. It's like awesome. I got to walk through on this phone. I'm like, what the heck is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> so you get three pendants, and then you get the sword, and then I got to go back and the pendants are first. Then you got to put together the get the so, sword. And sword. So, not that I once you get to the sword, you can get into the other dungeons then to yeah. for the actual tribe. Which version of this? Which the Super Nintendo. The Super Nintendo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Something to the pendants. The one, the Nintendo one, number two, oh my goodness, that was tough. Good luck, Bush. Yeah. That was hard. I'll be done. Yeah, it's it, it, was, yeah, it wasn't as good, but it was Everybody, <laughs> Zelda is leaving. <laughs> See you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Hack Republic Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net. So head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.